Welcome to Three Little Things, a natural health podcast. We've created this space to help you positively navigate the world of holistic and natural well-being, where each week we will explore something new and dive into a diverse range of holistic health topics from all walks of life. As chiropractors, we are equally passionate about helping educate, share and empower you on your well-being journey. Created with you in mind, Three Little Things aims to bring you digestible topics and applicable tools and strategies to help you grow, thrive and live well. So let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Three Little Things podcast. My name is Sarah and as always, I'm joined with my co-host Lily and we're back for another wonderful episode. And this is an episode that I'm very intrigued by and excited by, mainly because I have no idea what we're going to talk about today, which is really exciting. So it's all going to be fresh to me, um, which is really fun. But I'm going to hand it over to Lily and she's going to introduce our wonderful guest today. Thank you, Sarah. So I first met um, Dr. Adele back at a um, pediatric conference in Hobart and I instantly was enthralled and fell in love, Adele. So, you know, and I was just busting to hear more about what you um, have to say. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, your um, educational background and what you're doing now. Thank you, Lily. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's a real pleasure. I'm a neuroscientist who has turned to yoga and meditation through my own, for my own healing journey. That's become my new life. I worked for about 15 years or so as a neuroscientist, then retrained in multiple different yoga and meditation styles and have had quite a lot of experience now in teaching different styles and different ages, yoga and meditation. And that's all culminated in uh, long story short, just to get to the end before we begin, really, um, in producing a book for fear and anxiety that is bringing the tools of yoga and meditation to children who suffer from those those problems so that they have something that they can do to help them and their and their families can help the the children with anxiety. And that's it's all come about through my whole life journey. It's like the culmination of of what I've done through my academic work and now my my yoga and meditation work. So Adele, what really struck me when we were in Hobart was um, the kind of research you were doing, which was pretty heavy duty. Do you want to explain it? Because I sort of barely understood it. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll, I'll try to put it into a nutshell. So I'm a, a neuroscientist, is my training, and I worked in neuroregeneration, for my PhD and for some of my postdoc. And I branched more into um, neuroimmunology and, and eventually into Alzheimer's disease um, in the, in, throughout my, my career. So I was very interested in particular in the, the, the cells that aren't talked about in the brain very much. So there are neurons, everyone knows about the neurons and nerve cells, but there's also a huge number, in fact, a much greater number of cells, which are called glial cells in the brain and the nervous system in general. So the peripheral and the central nervous system. And those glial cells, there are a number of different types of those, but they have an enormous role in supporting the nerves, the neurons to do their work. So if those cells didn't exist, we wouldn't, we'd be short circuiting, we wouldn't have any control of our nerves. There's astrocytes, which people have often heard about maybe, um, and other glial cells. So they they produce um, 
growth factors and and all the supporting chemicals and, and molecules that the nerves need. They regulate the ner- the neural firing. Um, there's there's also immune cells, which I was getting really interested in in the brain and the the whole nerve system, which help to regulate things like our memory. So they say prune synapses, for example. So the microglia prune synapses, and that helps to keep the the excitability of the nervous system to a a level which is not too extreme. So we're not having epilepsy or or maybe ADHD or whatever, or memory loss or things are kept in balance, but that can go out of balance quite easily by many factors. And what got me really interested was and eventually led to my yoga um, career, a lot change of career, was that the, um, the, the glial cells, in particular the, the immune glial cells, can be triggered to produce immune, uh, an immune response in the nerve system. And that can really dysregulate neuronal firing, for example. So there's a fair bit of research now that's been done in, say, Alzheimer's disease and other mental, order, mental um, health disorders where there's, a, there's an imbalance in neuronal firing and, and so, some contribution towards that or even potentially a large contribution through, for example, um, the inflammation, which is in the, could be in the body through lifestyle practices or habits that then also affects the brain and the inflammation in the brain. So I was getting really interested at the end of my research in um, the uh, pathway called the default mode network where this is essentially what it's activated when we're daydreaming or when we're in that monkey brain state where there's a vicious circle of thoughts and we can't turn it off. It's just overexcited. So there's a, there's a fair bit going on, but the default mode network is one of the pathways which is activated in that state. And it's turned off when we're in a very highly focused um, state. So we're doing something very focused. There's research on that, but I was also at the same time in parallel with that research, I started getting into meditation as well, which I was introduced to through a clinical psychologist, actually, um, Bruno Cayune in Hobart, who's fantastic. And so I was experiencing for myself in an experiential way that I could become aware of what was going on in my, in my mind and in my body. And I, I sensed or could feel that the that the my mind was too busy that there was you know monkey brain was just rife there was not enough downtime not enough quiet in there uh, and I also felt quite like there's a lot of pressure in my head it was it felt quite inflamed and I've had lots of gut issues from my whole life through um, having childhood anxiety and then later chronic fatigue sort of culminated in eventually chronic fatigue or or some sort of chronic fatigue-like syndrome anyway, that whole body sort of shut down. So I, I sensed it through the meditation and became aware of that and, and discovered also at the same time that I could then start to bring that energy down, that sort of pressure or too much energy, too much thought in my head. I could bring that, that awareness and that energy down into the rest of my body, which relieved my head, my thoughts, and and gave my gave energy back to my body because I got to a point with my anxiety where I I was living in my head and my body was essentially shut down or shut off so there was no awareness from the neck down basically I was living in a very logical intellectual academic world 
and I was not aware of my body anymore or the state mm. of my gut or my health. So that meditation helped me become aware of that and at the same time made me put the science and the experiential side of my health together to some extent so that I could really, I could see from the academic point of view, but also from, from experiencing it, how, how much our lifestyle affects our mental state. And mm. that if you can, you know, if you can start to learn how to regulate your lifestyle and your, your eating habits and your exercise habits and your sleep habits and all of those things which make us healthy, then you can potentially start to influence and, and reduce um, the, the likelihood that you will potentially have any sort of mental disorder, whether that's now or in the future with, with Alzheimer's disease. And there is, of course, a genetic component to many of these things, and that's not to, to um, not give them acknowledgement. That's definitely a, a, a big part of it. But there's also a very big part of, of our mental health that is lifestyle. And that extends to all of the major mental illnesses, I believe. I just love the way you drew, you, you drew some amazing parallels because some of those words that um, you use, like glial cells and astrocytes, you know, unfortunately, the first time people hear those words are when they are gliomas mm. or astrocytomas, you know, when they've actually gone terribly wrong, you know, and also um, pathology as Alzheimer's and, as you say, certain mental states. I also love the way you've used um, the default mode network. I think we're going to be hearing a lot of that in the future, aren't we? Mm. And, I mean, when I met you, you know, you were telling me about how many millions of dollars were being spent in the research that um, you were doing then. Um, I hope just as many millions of dollars are going to be spent going forward in what you're doing now. That, to me, sounds like the more elegant solution, doesn't it? Well, I think we ne we need both, really. We need, mm. we need the Western medical system because that's very powerful, but we also need the holistic health and the um, the yoga meditation, the things that are lifestyle changing for us and and change our, our the way we think and and feel and the way we behave in in the world and to ourselves. So I think we need both of those. The so it's more like that's an Eastern philosophy or an Eastern medicine which I mean yoga is essentially has a has an eastern medical background as well or, or fits in with Ayurveda from India or in the case of um, the yoga that I do it's it's the Japanese or the Chinese medicine the tra traditional Chinese medicine so we need both of those because the the western medicine is very good at rescuing people and keeping people alive and the eastern medicine is very good for preventative in particular so if you've got a broken leg, you don't go to a CATCM doctor, you go to emergency, right? Yeah. But if you've got a lifestyle disease, like I'm anxious, then it's actually, I feel very confident to say that it's actually a good idea to go towards the yoga and the meditation and those lifestyle changes and learning about ourselves and our habits and what's making us feel anxious or whatever the disorder is, maybe it's depression um, or some other uh, aspect of our life that isn't quite working right then it's very helpful to go to the sort of the ways that you can heal or help yourself and make a balance and there's no reason you can't do both as well both at the same time in fact that's probably yeah, I mean, the Sarah and I have um, used the analogy over the um, our several episodes of um, homeostasis you know and the whole above the cliff below the cliff sort of um, healthcare yes we need both you know but um, what we're talking about now is above the cliff stuff mm -hmm which obviously takes longer. Um, it takes a little bit more discipline, I guess. 
mm. it's not so glamorous, doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles and sirens attached to it. So it's just that motivation of getting the general public to segue their way um, into it without having to have a crisis first, because I find most people come to these decisions after some kind of crisis. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And I think you touched on that, Adele, really beautifully when you acknowledge the genetic component to certain disorders and diseases. I think a lot of people, and maybe it's a lack of education or it's a lack of interest in learning about this sort of stuff, but see that as a life sentence as well and see, well, there's a genetic history of that in my family. So that's just how it's going to be. And I love how you kind of connected the two worlds there, Eastern and Western, and, and described it as, well, there are lifestyle changes that we can make. And there are things in that sort of more um, Eastern medical world or medicine world that we can be doing to avoid or to prevent or to better equip our bodies to be able to handle certain things that our genetics might predispose us to. Um, so I love that because I think often people see it as a bit of a life sentence or they see whatever was in the, is in their history genetically as just yeah. what's going to be for them. Mm. Absolutely. And I feel like that's a really big thing that we need to shift in our culture is the idea that you don't have any control over your health or that you need to go and get drugs to to do to help you. Yes, you may need drugs, but also you have a huge amount of of uh, potential to make to create health for yourself regardless of well, to some extent, to a large extent, regardless of what your genetics are in the first place. Yes, you will be, everybody's predisposed to certain diseases because of our genetics. We all are. We're all going to, you know, get sick and die of something or other. But, and it just depends what it is for everybody. It's different. But it doesn't mean that we can't do enormous amount to help us live a, a long and healthy life up to the point, more or less, of our death. Hmm. Um, and also we need to remember also that there's the genetics isn't fixed so hmm. we now know a lot about epigenetics where yes our, gen our dna is being constantly modified all the time hmm. and it's been modified hmm. through our through generations and what we actually are is is a is the end result effectively of all of the multiple ancestors that we've had and all of their influences in their environments and their experiences and whatever they've been through it filters down through their genetics into us so we we start with that in us as our beginning as our mm. template but that's not to mean we that we can't change it yeah. and we can do a yeah. lot to change our our epigenetics which then effectively is is how the genes are expressed and that's mm. what reality is not just what the the actual coded G dna is is it's how it's expressed and when and and we can consciously work towards uh, optimizing as best we can for the for the hand we've been dealt right now to mm. to make our, our life as 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 good as we can make it and that's where yoga mm. meditation is fantastic because the yoga um, the poses anyway help to correct things in the body it helps to heal the body and the yeah. meditation helps to it's like yoga for the mind it helps to heal the mind so calm down the mm. default network um, reduce all those extra thoughts we we don't really want or need that are that could be negative and help to replace that with positive thoughts that become we need to maybe work on that consciously to start with but it can become automatic mm. and mm. our, our mind our subconscious mind brings up positivity as the default 
Well, I mean, the whole chiropractic philosophy thing is above, down, inside, out. So it might sound so esoteric, but actually it's um, sort of basic neuroscience, really, isn't it? And mm-hmm. a lot of the yoga poses I tell my patients, I mean, they're to squeeze off an area and then to flood the area with um, blood blood supply, you know, so get the lymphatic drainage going. So people find it so esoteric and woo-woo, but it's actually, you know, so fundamental. So, yes. yeah. Yes, that is exactly what the uh the yoga that i teach the yoga therapy that's exactly what it's doing so mm. it's a it's a it's japanese yoga or seasonal yoga mm. it's based on the meridians and yeah. the the main some of the main aims of it really are exactly what you said we're bringing the mind to that part of the body we're squeezing it and then we're releasing it so we're squeezing mm. it we're tensing the muscles that that helps to squeeze out whatever congestion or um, or metabolic waste products are trapped in there, for example, and and then when we release it, blood can, flow can go in, and we know this might sound a little esoteric, but uh, it's been scientifically demonstrated that where the consciousness goes in the body, that's where the blood flows, and that happens totally as well as in the body. This is yeah. this is science, so that's actually not yeah. weird. It sounds a bit weird. It's not. No. So the, wherever the consciousness mm. go, the blood goes, therefore there's nutrients and oxygen coming to that yeah. area to help to make it work to function, to be functional. Mm. And mm. then it can carry away any waste products for, for removal and, and elimination. Mm. Um, mm. And so we can do that. We're doing it in both directions. With the yoga, we're yeah. getting the mind into the body, but also yeah. the feedback is back to the brain as well. Gorgeous, so yeah. The areas in the brain that relate to that part of the body are also getting more innovation, more more um, circulation of the blood, then more oxygen, more nutrients. So it, it's a two-way uh, street. So we, we did an episode on the cerebellum, um, you know, last year sometime, you know, feedback, feed forward, and it's all that um, lateral cerebellum stuff that um, we're talking about a little bit here, you know, plus the archaeocerebellum, of course. So refer to a previous episode. <laughs> but um, the, the thing I think some people make, so the vibration of the cells on a quantum level, I suppose people find that so difficult to understand, but yet... I mean, how how do they feel that um, we're speaking right now? You know, this is all wave matter, really, isn't it? So that cognitive dissonance, I find, what you're talking about will help bridge that gap from what people think is esoteric, which is not, um, to fundamental fact, you know, that we live every day. So I think the whole yoga approach is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way you actually went and trained and to teach children, actually, because hey, let's start there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's been a full circle for me, actually, or several circles, really, I guess. So I started in life with with anxiety as a child and, in fact, through my whole life until quite recently, in the more recent years, I've managed to overcome that. And so when I got into yoga meditation I trained initially for my own health was my own journey I just I just wanted to go into it more deeply and that was the way that you can access it in in a western world is to do the training so I did that and I was noticing the effect it was having on me which was to really reduce that level of anxiety and make me more aware of when it was happening and more in have more tools to deal with it and then I was in the schoolyard and I was seeing kids who were just really stressed and anxious and parents who were stressed and anxious 
And in fact, the whole society in me, all around me was feeling quite sort of uptight. And, and mm-hmm. there was ang- there's a high level of anxiety in, in the culture. Um, so I thought I'd like to actually, I'd like to help these kids to become less anxious because I would have liked that. I would have liked those tools when I was a kid. And I had in I had this in, this intuitive sense as a kid that there must be there must be something out there that can help with this. It turned out to be Chinese medicine and and yoga and meditation. I didn't know it at the time, but I so when I discovered that, I went, oh, I really want to be able to help these kids and these families who've got anxiety and stress. So I trained with Lorraine Rushton, who has Zenergy Yoga in Manly, and does uh, she trains children's yoga teachers and does absolutely fantastic courses. My first exposure to to yoga therapy, the meridian-based yoga, was through her and her training courses. I'd already trained in in Krishnamacharya Hatha yoga and a little, to some extent, in Satchananda Hatha. So I was teaching in both of those styles. And then I I discovered Lorraine and her courses with Zenergy Yoga. And I just loved it. It was just, okay, this is where I need to be. Because the Meridians really, it just it just made so much sense. It was so practical and so logical and so um, just brought everything together. It brought the Western together with the Eastern together for me. So I'd been for a long time. I'd been doing I'd done the Western the Western world and the academics and the you know neuroscience research, and then I'd gone. I actually went fully the the other direction, right into the spiritual yoga where I was you know more the healing spiritual space which sounds can sound a little bit woo-woo but I was just experimenting I just shut off all disbelief and just I'm open to everything I'm just going to experiment for myself and so I I trialed all sorts of things like shamanic healing and reiki and um, crystals even and uh, kirtan which is chanting within a big group Um, yeah all sorts of slightly esoteric things and all of them were beneficial and I, the things that worked for me I kept and I still do use those as practices, whatever I learned that was really good. But I'd gone a long way down that path and then I discovered yoga therapy and that's what brought me back to a more centred balance with time because it's very much about, it's it's like um, it's like acupuncture in that it's it's activating and stimulating the meridians and it creates balance in the body very efficiently and very effectively. And you can't hide from yourself. So if you've got a weakness somewhere or a habit somewhere, uh, you you see it. You can't just mm. pretend it doesn't isn't there because you can't do the pose. And it could be mm. something that really seems really basic, and yet you can't do that. But the good thing is is that you can improve that very quickly by just doing a little bit every day. In a therapeutic mm-hmm. way, you just do one or two or three poses a day, say, like a physio, really, like a physio exercise, and you'll make change very quickly in that meridian or those meridians, and then the whole body becomes more functional. Then when the whole body is more functional, everything feels integrated. It feels like it's a, working as a unit, and you feel very much more grounded. So I had this idea while I was doing the training with Lorraine that I wanted to write a children's book for fear and anxiety and I wanted to use the yoga therapy in it because it was just so effective and Mm. so efficient you could just you know particularly for kids the kids change very quickly if you give them the right move and 
just get them to do it maybe it's even three times sometimes and it just shifts stuff for them really quickly because mm. they're so young yeah and they change very quickly so I I, st- I started talking to Lorraine and writing a book that took quite a long process because I I, I was still evolving and I after I did Lorraine's courses then I went and did an adult's yoga therapy training with Andre Gospodarczyk of Rioho Wellness, who has trained with Master Oki, who was the, like in Japan, who was the, the master of Japanese yoga. He also trained in Indian Hatha as well. So he's brought a lot together in Rioho that is a, is very um, holistic and an integrated system that helps to heal the body very efficiently and very effectively. But it's not it's very approachable also because it's it's not woo-woo. It's very, it's very much getting the mind into the body, feeling the effects, doing the yoga, doing the particular therapy moves that, that you really need. So I'm gonna interrupt you there for a moment because I really feel that um the butterflies be free book deserves this very own. Butterflies be, be gone, yes. I, I we have it in our practice and it's um a bestseller, but mm. I want to sort of more or less um quarantine that for maybe its own episode what do you think Adele because there's just so much in it I really don't yes. feel we'll have um, the time to give it um, real justice you know um, yes. and the other thing too is um, I was just as you were talking I was thinking because I'm a, I'm a I'm sort of pediatric chiropractor did my master's in pediatrics and listening to you talking about uh, children and understanding that their brain waves are in theta predominantly until the age of seven which is quite hypnagogic you know everything that they see hear feel touch you know all their senses um, are completely unfiltered by the thalamus and zips into the um, amygdala and stays there so wouldn't it be beautiful you know sort of from naught to seven if we could implant in their um you know deep ios all these great feelings of um, possibility and healing and wellness because it's such an um, unfiltered time anyway, you know, theta. And I suppose when you're doing your yoga therapy, in a way, we are all getting back to theta, aren't we, with our breathing um, patterns. And hopefully, you know, even as older adults, we are able to rewire our um, amygdala and our hippocampus to a point where we can then do some true healing, you know, both physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Absolutely. Yes. And mm. All the meditation and the yoga helps us to get down into that theta state of healing and resting. But, but with the yoga therapy, we can target that very efficiently because we can mm. on on the particular meridians that um, that influence the feelings of fear and anxiety and stress. Mm. So we can we can correct any uh, imbalances or, or lack of function in those meridians which then will feed back very quickly to the nervous system to to calm down the limbic system and to mm. allow us to to stay in a state of 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 theta or or karma somewhere down that way yeah brain waves for potentially all of the time or very very often mm. very much of the time mm. and then when if we do flip into like a you know a high beta state for example we can have the tools to then bring ourselves down yeah with, with a few mindfulness or breathing exercises so 
Yeah, you're so right because um, we have some patients who who get anxiety and they and then they do their deep breathing. And I'm just saying, no, you got to do it every day mm-hmm. so that it's in your back pockets. You know, if you need it yeah. straight away, bang, here it comes. Exactly. Yeah, so it's just continuity, isn't it, and consistency. Yes, absolutely. It's a practice. And mm-hmm. we have to deprogram the brain to be in the fight and flight response and reprogram mm. to be in that, that relaxation response. And we need both, of course. It's a balancing act. But mm. we want to not be in overdrive for the sympathetic nervous system. We want to be able to have it in, in a calm state that we can then respond in the moment appropriately. So we have a little mm. gap in our mind that doesn't just react. It's not just seeing and reacting. It's 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 seeing, going, oh, and then acting in our choice, with our choice. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Equanimity. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, that's, yeah. That's yeah. It. Yes. It's having mm-hmm. that little space that gives us the equanimity to be um be calm about whatever happens. So mm. even if the world is chaotic around us. And there's a pandemic, or there's some other, you know, war or something going on around us. We can have that stillness inside that lets us observe and then make the best choice that we can in every moment. Mm. And that's where the yoga and the meditation gets us to. But yes, it's mm. a daily practice. And yeah, but the practice gets reduced the more you do it, the more you need to do it, until it becomes mm. more of a maintenance. And yeah, very important to help the, the kids because, as you say, they're in that very open state. And if they, so one of the purposes of the book was simply to seed the idea for kids that there is something they can do about the state they're in. So if they're experiencing symptoms in their body they don't like, like butterflies in the tummy or heart racing or sweating or whatever then all gut issues because they're not digesting well because of the anxiety or any other issue, then they, so long as they can have an awareness that that doesn't have to be the way that they live and that there's something they can do about it. And that's something I would have loved to have known when I was a kid, that this mm-hmm. isn't the way, this isn't necessarily normal. It doesn't have to be like this. I can change it. And even if they don't make all those changes at the time as kids, you know, that they're in a, they're not in control of their environment. They've got families, they've got school, they've got a lot of pressures. So they may not be able to make all the changes at the time, but the if the idea is in there, it means that say when they get to 14 or 15 and they're, they're starting to go through troubles and they and they someone tells them about a yoga class, they go, ah, oh, oh yeah, and that rings a bell and then they go and do it. Or it might mm-hmm. be later, it might be multiple times in their life, but they have this trigger that draws them back to the idea that they can help themselves, that they aren't fixed. They don't have to just rely on drugs or, or someone else doing something for them. They have the ability to make a change for themselves. So mm-hmm. I feel like the book, The Butterflies Be Gone, would be successful if it helps to make kids aware that there is something that they can do to change mm-hmm. the state of being. Sarah, being a younger person, you know, you've got more um, years in your life to practice all this. So that's great. Yeah, I think, well, I just think it's what you've said is just amazing. Mm. Yeah, I don't think there's another word for it. Well, I mean, I've just been listening to a couple of podcasts by a um, person called Dr. Jeffrey Riediger. 
who's a psychiatrist. Um, he's a Harvard Medical School um, lecturer and of some renown. And um, he's written a book called Cured, Spontaneous Remissions. And he talks very much along your lines, Adele, you know, about changing the vibration in our cells and, you know, guess what? Something disappears, you know. So I guess it's this big healing journey. Hopefully uh, we will now embark upon in this new epoch. I feel that the last couple of years, strangely enough, has mm-hmm. done some good for the world. I know it's been a disaster, like let's not um, water that one down. But what I'm trying to say is that it's really helped people open their eyes to so many mm-hmm. other possibilities. You know, we've we found that in our practice. And hence this podcast is so important for for me anyway to hear you share those words, Adele. So I'm I'm sure next time we have you on, um, that book will be on my lap here and I'll be going through it page by page as you speak, if that's okay with you. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. Mm, It'd mm. be fantastic. Do you have something else that I think we've covered a lot of your points, haven't we? Have we or Um, not yet? Yes, we have covered a lot of the points. Um, I would like to make one more point, though, and that is that with with yoga, and particularly I found with yoga therapy, that it stabilises the body. So I did a lot of meditation and a lot of yoga. I was doing like an hour and a half to two hours a day minimum to just be functional, to just maintain a state of sort of equanimity, more or less, or stable emotions. And it wasn't until I discovered yoga therapy that I've, and and the effectiveness of that of literally straightening out the body. So straightening out the physical body, making the spine straight, making the, the body balance left and right and top and, back, top and bottom, back and front, et cetera, that then centers you and allows you to be very calm in the, in the body, which allows the mind to be calm. So the more of that that I've done, the more I've realized that, that I don't need as much now. So now I can skip doing yoga or I, can, I, can, I don't have to meditate in order to still have a, a still steady mind. So I think it's a very powerful tool where you can get, you can get to a point, even from, a, from a, a relatively unhealthy state, which I feel I was, you can get to a point where the mind is naturally still because the body is very healthy and, and stable. And so that stabilizes the mind. Can you recommend, I mean, I'm not sure whether you can, I mean, Lorraine Rushton, we know now from Zenergy in Manly, but you know, um, we are on the Northern beaches of Sydney and there's a lot of bikini bodies around and people seem to use yoga to, you know, get into their lycra, basically. It's got nothing to do with, um, you know, above the neck stuff. So do you recommend how do our listeners um, find a really authentic practice? I'd say look up Rioho. So I'd say... Rioho is an absolutely fantastic way to go. We'll start Googling because people listen to us. We're starting to find out now from all around mm-hmm. Australia, but also a bit internationally now. It's weird, right. isn't it? But um, I'm mm-hmm. sure Rioho is everywhere. It's yeah. fantastic. We'll yeah. pop a few links yeah. definitely in the show notes mm-hmm. so people can, mm-hmm. can find all of those details. So do we have we arrived at your three little things yet, Adele? Do you uh, yes. Yes, uh, maybe. Yeah. Or, yes. or anything else, please. I mean, we could be here all day. I know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if we're going to have a follow up with about the book, then yes, please. Um, then yes, it's probably a good a good wrap. Yeah. Uh, so my three little things. The first one is that the only person 
you can change is yourself. So we don't need to worry about anybody else because we can't actually change people. We can only change ourselves. So our responsibility is only to changing ourselves. But the, the, the bonus is that by changing ourselves, we do change others. So the more we increase the vibration of ourselves, as you put it, or increase our positivity, increase our state of health, our stillness of mind, all those things have actually a very strong effect on everybody around us. Mm. We can't um, change anybody else in the world until we can change ourselves. So it goes both ways. Mm. The second thing, second little thing, is that the only person you need to love is yourself. But in the process of loving yourself, you will love others. You need to love yourself completely and unconditionally. And in, in that learning that it takes, that journey that it takes to do that, you will automatically love other people, love other beings, love everything eventually. And so you don't need to worry about loving the whole world or loving anybody else so long as you can love yourself because that will flow on. And the third thing is that the only person you need to heal is yourself for exactly the same reasons because you can't heal anybody else if you yourself are not healed. So you focus on healing yourself and that in turn will heal others. The Buddhists, uh, the, the Bodhisattvas, for example, they have a, oh, so many of them have a belief where they, they're taking on the suffering of the world because they know, A, that they, they want to help the suffer everybody else, all beings out there, but they also know that they need to heal themselves fully and completely before the rest of the world can be healed. But in healing yourself completely, like like top end healing, completely heal, like to the you know nth degree, that will heal others in a snapshot. So we only need to the only person we need to change is ourselves. The only person we need to love is ourselves, and the only person we need to heal is ourselves. Beautiful, Adele. Mm, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a tour de force, wasn't it? <laughs> Amazing. And that's why before we spoke, I thought to myself, um, we're not going to get through everything today yes. because, um, you know, you, you're just so full of wisdom and I could mm. listen to you for a long time. So <laughs> if you would, you know, grace us with another episode, we'd love that, Adele, in, in the future. Absolutely. That would be a real pleasure. And it's, it's an honour to speak to you. It's really, it's really, um, it's lovely. And and if it can help just even a few people, that's that's yeah, a really yeah. fantastic yeah. outcome. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Thanks Thank so much, Adele. A quick disclaimer, these episodes are not intended to replace help, treatment or advice from your healthcare professionals. The information in today's podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions. This is just a friendly reminder that we do not know you or your child or those around you and therefore do not know your specific needs. Please seek guidance from your healthcare professionals surrounding your concerns.